Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. The title of what I'm giving this is like renewing our thinking. Because when we talk about our inward faith, when we talk about looking inward, it has a lot to do with our thought life, right? Um, this is really going to be centered around how we begin to view ourselves, our identity, our relationship to Christ. And um, hopefully we can unpack it. We're going to talk about it a little bit this week, and then we'll talk about it in like two weeks from now, um, which I forgot to, remember, uh, to remind us. There's a fifth Sunday next week where we share a meal together, and that's where we'll spend some time uh, kind of giving you guys updates on what's happening with the church and things like that, but then also just taking communion and sharing together in that meal. Um, it's one of those things that when we planted this church, we said it's super valuable to share meals together because when you sit and have a meal, you get to talk about life, right? And you get to enjoy good food because who doesn't like food, right? Um, so we sit around, we eat, and we take communion together to remind ourselves of the ultimate meal uh, that we find in Jesus. Um, and then uh, it gives us space to to chat and get to know each other and not just come hear someone talk up front and then leave kind of thing. So we just think it's really valuable. Um, but that's kind of this kind of the where we're going with this whole thing, with this whole idea of renewing our thinking, with this idea of our core values, who we are as believers. Um, but the first thing I want to do is kind of, I guess, give you guys a picture of, I think, a good visual illustration, at least for me, of how we begin to journey when we transform our thinking. So um, for me, my thinking is not the same thinking that I had when I was in junior high. It's not the same thinking I had in high school. It's not the same thinking I had in college, right? Um, And it's maybe not even the same thinking I had two or three years ago. It's always changing. We're always learning new things, right? Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, We're all developing and learning and um, beginning to see uh, God in different ways and beginning to see scripture uh, clear and understanding it more and more. Um, but my thinking about all of life, not just when we talk about our faith, has been transformed. And um, how many of you guys saw the really big waves? Like, raise your hand if you saw the really big waves that came in last week. Like, there was massive swell. Maybe you saw it on the news, or maybe you just saw it somewhere. Um, I surf, and so I'm super clued in on waves. And um, we had, I think, what they claimed was the biggest swell in 20 years, and some people said 50 years, okay? The biggest swell. And um, I just put a little video up there of this place called Cortez Bank. And when the swell gets above a certain point, this spot starts to break, and it's 100 miles out in the middle of the ocean, straight out from San Diego. Um, 100 miles is a long ways. You guys track with me? Like, that's way out there in the big blue ocean. And these people go out there, and they take really big boats, and, um, and they ride these massive waves that just come up out of nowhere on this reef shelf that, um, that's literally, it's in the middle of the ocean, and ships have wrecked on this reef, um, but it creates the biggest swell, the biggest waves that exist um, outside of Nazare, which is in Portugal. Um, these have been some of the biggest waves. And this lady, um, Justine DuPont, surfed 
they're, what they're claiming to be like a 100-foot wave, which is massive, right? Um, and so I get excited when I see this because I've been out to that spot before. And uh, I love spearfishing, and the only time I've been out there is when it's calm. There's no waves, and it's exactly the opposite of what you're seeing right now on the screen. Um, so there are no waves out there when it's calm, and the only time I've gone out there to spearfish is when it's mellow because you don't want any of that existing when you're spearfishing. Um, and so we've been out there, and I've actually dove this area where she's surfing, and there's a shipwreck. And the shipwreck... Um, it's been there for a really long time. It's broken all kinds of pieces. And the first time I got to dive out there, um, I got to dive that front portion of that, that ship, the bow part of it, because um, it's all kind of broken up now. This is kind of like a photo of when it was kind of up higher on the reef. Um, but my understanding of this spot has completely transformed, because when I was in high school, I heard about this place. And I saw it as like this place that nobody could ever get to, like only like crazy legendary people that, you know, do all these crazy things, go there and surf these massive waves. And, um, and when, I was, when I was younger, I was like, that would be like a dream to go out there and eventually dive that place and go check that place out. A couple years ago, I got the opportunity to go do that and actually experience it and see it. And in my mind, if you would have asked me a long time ago when I was younger, would I ever be there? I would have said absolutely not. That's impossible, never. It's 100 miles offshore. I don't even have the ability to do that. I don't have a boat to do that, anything like that. But over the years, I've developed some relationships, and I have a friend who has a really nice boat who's taken me out there before, and that's how we got to go dive and go spearfish and see this, this wreck that's out there. And, um, and I share this story because our idea of what will happen in our future, what we're capable of, what we are going to experience, what we're going to see, is a lot of times very limited. And until we've begin to, I think, step out in faith and begin to step out in trusting what God can do, we can begin to experience parts of life that most people don't. And so I share this story only because that seemed like an impossible place to ever go in my life. And now I've done it a couple of times. And, um, and, and as I began to think about like even that shipwreck, I want to use that as an analogy just because I got to spend some time on that shipwreck. Um, I think about the people that were driving that ship. Think about what they were going through as they're in the middle of the ocean thinking, there's nothing you could run aground on when you're this far out. And suddenly, the ship is wrecked. And they didn't see that coming, right? Had they seen it coming, you think they would do something different, right? Like, if you knew that there was going to be a reef that you're going to run your ship against, you wouldn't go there. But in their minds, again, like talking about like, our understanding, our vision, our understanding of like what can happen in our lives, what we're capable of, and maybe what we're not even aware of at times. Um, I think the shipwreck is a good analogy for what we begin to see as either being totally unprepared, totally clueless as to what can exist below the surface in the future, right? And for those people, the captain on that ship and those people on that boat, for them to end up on a reef out in the middle of nowhere, seemingly, must have been a shock. It must have been surprising. It must have been scary. It must have been freaky. Um, but when I think about our lives, I think our lives are a lot like that. Whereas we navigate a ship. So we use the analogy of us being a boat. We each navigate a ship, 
that has the capacity of either running aground or navigating around things like these dangers, right? Um, which these surfers have figured out exactly how to navigate that danger and do it and have fun, right? Um, but it really intrigued me to think about that like as far as like my life and the things that I never thought I could achieve or never thought I could do or never be a part of. Um, and le- viewing my life as a ship that has the capacity to see great, beautiful parts of the world and then also at the same time run aground and completely be wrecked. And maybe you've been there. We talked about this um, maybe this week. There's been things where you feel like you just ran aground and things didn't go the way they should have gone. Or maybe there's been life events where you're like, I didn't picture it going this way. I didn't picture my ship being wrecked at the bottom of a reef at some point. Um, And so I just want that visual to be in the back of our minds as we talk about this inward posture. Um, Because I think if we don't navigate our ship well, we will end up like that ship, that image that, we, that I threw in there. Um, we will end up like that. And, and I think disciplines, and when we talk about our, these postures, when we look, about, look at our lives and we look at what Christ invites us into, there is a call to thrive. Jesus talks about it where he says, like, a thief comes to steal, destroy, rob everything from your life. He says, but I have come that you may have life, life to the full. And if we believe that as believers, if we're centering life around that, we have to believe that Jesus wants us to do really well in life, that he wants to show us how to live life the best possible way, and that he wants to give us tools to do that so that we do not end up run aground, right? So our ship does not end up sinking. And um, I recognize that in the last couple of years, it's been turbulent. We've had storms, right? And our ships have been rocked in many ways. We were talking this about some of you have been rocked more than others. Some of us weren't really phased by it. Um, there's a book we're reading called Resilient um, that points out that for some people, the last three years was the most turbulent they've ever experienced because in some people's lifetime, they've never experienced a pandemic. Raise your hand if you experienced a pandemic prior to the one that we did. Yeah, none of us, right? So like, this is a whole new thing to navigate, a whole new set of waters that are uncharted that we had to navigate and figure out when it comes to health, when it comes to how we relate to people. Um, Not to mention everything in the last few years, I'm going to probably bring up some like sore spots in all of our lives in some way, but politically things were not casual, were they? (laughs) Things got a little crazy. Um, relationships were broken as a result of what happened in the last three years. Family members, I know that maybe even in my own life, that have kind of gone astray as a result of what happened in the last three years. Relationships that have been broken um, because of all of that. And then now you have inflation. And so there's all kinds of challenges that people face, and maybe some of you are facing some of those challenges, um, but they're turbulent. They're like, it's a storm. And we face storms, and how we handle those is super crucial. Recently, um, you guys know about the egg storm? <laughs> how many of you guys have purchased eggs lately? Um, people are outraged about eggs, apparently. That's a big thing because now they've gone from $3 to $10. Um, and that's been a huge talk. But 
we have all kinds of turbulent things that we face, right? Challenges and like confusion. We're like, why did that happen? Why do these things happen? Why do challenges exist in our lives? Um, but I think the biggest one that I've talked about quite often is social media and the turbulence that social media creates in our lives quite often, right? Um, there are a lot of stressors that come with social media. I don't need to go through the whole list. You guys have probably heard it from multiple sources and in multiple areas of how social media begins to impact um, our contentment, our understanding of what makes us happy as we begin to compare our lives to other people when we're on social media. Um, what we have, what we don't have, we start to feel inadequate about who we are as a result of social media quite often. And, um, and if not handled carefully, if not stewarded well, like Jesus invites us to, it can be something that destroys us. It can be a storm that begins to create or just wreak havoc on our ship, so to speak. And so I want to, I guess, acknowledge the weightiness, the heaviness that we all face when it comes to changing careers, when it comes to raising kids, when it comes to political issues that we have to deal with, when it comes to social media. There's so many different areas that begin to create turbulence that we have to acknowledge. We just have to face them and go, how am I going to sort this out in my life? How am I going to handle it? Am I going to go angry and just jump ship and just bail out on this thing? Or am I going to handle it in a way that says, I'm not going to end up on the reef. I want to thrive. And ships have made it through serious storms, right? And so we are capable of doing that with Christ. And what this inward posture teaches us is that as we begin to center around Jesus, we begin to see ways to, I guess, navigate our ship, so to speak. So I hope that that's kind of like a visual that kind of carries us through this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dump a bunch of passages on us right now that give us, they're short, but they're, I think they give us context for where Scripture leads us when it comes to this inward focus. Because I think quite often we can go, oh, it's about me and the inward focus talks about how I'm going to become great, but it's really the contrary. So check this out. Um, Last week, I spoke about the vine, so I don't need to hit on that passage, but Jesus talks about us abiding, right, and being connected to the vine. Um, and we talked about what comes to mind when you think of abide, and the big Lebowski apparently came to mind for many of you. <laughs> the dude abides. Um, but then the next passage I want to show you is from Matthew 11, where Jesus talks about what it looks like to then abide and the invitation that he says. Uh, he says, are you tired, worn out? Burnt on religion. This is the message translation um, or paraphrase, as you should say. Um, he says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. So there's a sense that we can lose our life. We can, things can get chaotic, turbulent, crazy. Storms can come, but you can begin to recover it. He says, I'll show you and take a how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And when I think of our culture, when I engage with a lot of people that I think are impacted by our culture currently, I don't think of freely and lightly. I think of intense and angry and frustrated and not so free and light. And this invitation that Jesus gives us is, let's be those kind of people. Like, I've created you in a way that 
when you begin to follow my ways, my teachings, you'll begin to experience what it's like to live freely and lightly. And if you're here and you feel like your shoulders are tense and you're like, yeah, there's a lot of stress on my life. There's a storm upon me. I feel the subtle pressure constantly. What Jesus is inviting us is to say, just come to me and trust me with these things. Trust me that I will help you navigate through these things in a beautiful way. I'll help you learn to live freely and lightly. Philippians 2, Paul talks about this, what it looks like to have this inward life. And he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, again, so it's this like invitation to allowing Christ to rule your life, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So as we begin to look inward and develop this inward relationship with Jesus, he doesn't say, look at you and just, it's all about you and your life and your relationship with Jesus. He says, if you experience this, then he says, it's going to transfer into valuing others. It's going to transfer into how you begin to have conversation with people, that there will be this tenderness, there will be this compassion. Because now that your relationship with Christ has been developed, you're going to begin to see others differently, which teeters into our the next posture of outward focus. But really what I hope we hear is that it's not really about us as we talk about this inward posture. It's really about Jesus in us and that relationship that we have where we have that conversation with him. And so as I begin to think of like, how do I paint this picture of these being all connected and valuable? I was like, oh, Venn diagram, of course, got to do that. So sketch one out real quick. And this idea of the upward posture and the inward posture and the outward focus all overlapping, I believe that that sweet spot of where all those come together is where we begin to experience really life in Christ, this life that he talks about, where you live freely and lightly. So if we continually just to focus on our inward life and we're just developing that, we're missing out on the other parts of it. And that's where I think Paul talks about this, where he's like, you know what, you're going to begin to have compassion as you begin to surrender to Jesus. And then there's this beautiful like interaction that happens with all of them, where you begin to care about others because you're caring about what God's doing in you. Um, and you begin to see that you are loved just as much as others are loved, and that begins to all work together. So I hope this kind of gives a, a bit of a visual. It also like has a visual of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together. Um, there's just something powerful about recognizing that these different areas, these different postures have to all play together in order to develop as Christians in a holistic way. Um, we don't want to be... I guess, lopsided in our faith and missing out on these other parts. Um, so again, a couple more passages, and then we'll, we'll get into kind of the practical part of it. Um, so Mark 8, 34, he says, and calling to the crowd, uh, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So in following him, in becoming a disciple of Jesus, he says, you have to give up yourself. So it's not really about you. It's more about you surrendering to his will, his desires, his ways of doing things, 
and then begin to say, you know, it's not about me. It's really about serving Christ and what he desires in all things. Uh, Paul talks about in Galatians 2.20, he says, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me, right? So it's this flip of a switch where we begin to take the focus off of ourselves and fully on Jesus. That's the inward posture. That's how we can sum it up the best. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Like, think about that word, crucified. Like, I am dead with Christ. Um, is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me, who loved me and gave, his, gave himself for me. It's this surrender to saying, you know what? The agenda, the things that I used to care about now are gone, and now I'm going to care about the things that Jesus cares about. I used to think that I needed maybe social media or that I needed affirmation from other people to feel good about myself. All that, it's being washed away. He's saying, I've crucified all of that, and I've, I've just learned that centering around Jesus is going to be the core thing that's going to transform life. And so essentially, Paul says, is like, I don't live for myself anymore. I live solely for Jesus. And I know that's like, maybe you've been around the church and you sound, sounds like a cliche answer, but it's so crucial to understanding that there are things that we live for that make us happy, right? Raise your hand if you get grumpy if you don't eat. My hand's higher than yours. Okay. Um, our, I, I'm sure if we came up with a little list, we could think of some things that um, we could say, we live for outside of Christ, right? Um, that our true happiness comes from other things other than Christ. Um, and there lies a challenge uh, because we have to do the hard work of self-reflection and going, well, should I be happy even when I'm hungry? Yeah, I probably should. How do I begin to do that? Um, how do I begin to have that self-control that begins to recognize that I don't need to rely on X, Y, and Z to be content, to be happy? Um, just, a, I think, a personal example, because I talked about surfing earlier. Um, I know in high school, my satisfaction was 100% guaranteed caught up in surfing. That if I didn't get waves, if I didn't get in the water, if I didn't get out and escape through surfing, I wouldn't be happy. And that's just one example of how I had to uproot that and begin to pull that away. And I'm still in the process of uprooting that, right? Um, that recognizing that my satisfaction, my joy, my contentment doesn't lie in anything else. And it's interesting because once I began to conquer that, other things creep in, right? I mentioned social media. Like when we're tired, drained, and we're like, oh, I just don't want to do anything... What do we instantly do? Well, I say we. I'll just throw myself into the bus. But um, we want to just, we'll mindlessly scroll because we're like, it feels good just to zone out or watch TV or do something else that like, that makes us somehow think that we're feeling better, but it really, all it is is just, it's just pacifying time. And it's really Satan dropping in little things that will make us think that temporarily we'll be happy, but it actually doesn't bring true contentment the way that this surrender that Jesus invites us to, the surrender that we see Paul live to, right? Like the guy, he's arrested and put in jail and put in chains and continually like beaten, like, and he's still like, 
I figured out what it means to have a lot of stuff and I figured out what it means to have nothing and I recognize that my contentment is completely in Jesus. Man, I want to learn from that. I want to learn what that looks like to have that kind of contentment regardless of my circumstance, regardless of what's going on around me. And so developing that inward um, relationship and that inward, I would say, resilience to understanding that like my, my contentment isn't based on my circumstances requires reflection. It requires like moments of saying, I'm going to reflect on what is actually, why I'm angry, why I'm frustrated, why I'm like feeling um, unsatisfied as a result of this moment of what someone's done or whatever it is. Um, we have to have that moment of introspection. And I know that's like, that's like a big assignment to say, but we need that daily. We need that moment where we begin to sit and go, you know what, like what, what is truly frustrating me? Where am I at in life when it comes to Jesus and what he promises in our lives? Um, we need that space to reflect. And as he mentioned um, in Matthew 11, when he says, come to me, all you who are weary, burnt down on religion, those that have been kind of fried by the world, basically. He says, take on my teaching. And the word teaching there is yoke. And it's the idea of being yoked to an oxen with the yoke that goes around your neck. And it's this idea of, in Jesus' day, it would have been teaching. This idea that like you're tied to a teaching, a way of life, a way of operating, right? The yoke was meant to plow the fields. A way of operating that brings life. And what Jesus is inviting us to is this yoke that is easy, where he says, when you begin to follow me, you begin to experience this beautiful way of living, um, and this abiding achieves that. So when Paul talks about that, um, he talks about this idea that we can be yoked to other things. We can have a yoke of slavery. We can have a yoke of um, addiction, whatever it is. We can be connected to all these other things that really don't deliver. And this invitation is to say, you know what? What am I connected to? And I think that's a great question to ask daily is like, what am I truly connected to? What truly brings life to me? Is it social media? Does that satisfy? Is it relationships? Is it food? Is it something? There's all kinds of things that we turn to that are the yoke of slavery, the yoke that is deceiving, that does not deliver. And so my invitation, my challenge would be to create moments of introspection, create moments of reflection throughout the day, not just throughout the week, like in random times, but maybe it's like morning and evening where you begin to look at your life. And even if it's just a minute or two where you begin to go, hmm, God loves me, deeply cares for me. Whatever the scenario, the situation that I'm going through, he's got that under control. He's going to work through it. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to trust that he has my good in mind in every situation, right? What is he teaching me? What is he trying to teach me in this process? And I believe that the only way that we can do that is through this thing called margin. And I continually learn that, especially as a parent with kids that are doing sports, that have school and all kinds of stuff, and my own personal jobs, and trying to like handle all of that, it gets hectic, right? And maybe you're there and you have a hectic schedule during the week, and you're like, when am I going to find time to have some introspection, some time where I sit there quietly and think? That might be a true challenge for us, and it is for me. But when I begin to create space 
And the definition of margin, I'll throw this up there, um, is the space between our load and our limit. So if you picture a truck that's full of, um, I don't know, gravel or something, like your capacity to take on more is that margin. That if your truck is overflowing with so much rock that you are barely able to drive down the road or your ship is so full of cargo that it's falling off the top, there's no way you're going to find time to have introspection and margin. You're just trying to hold it together, right? So margin is creating space to be able to like handle that if something else comes onto your plate, you're like, that's cool, I got space for that because I've left space. And so we have to intentionally leave space or else something will fill it. Uh, our desires will fill it, we'll find something. And I think that if we don't create that margin, we end up shipwrecked. We will end up in a place where our ship will run aground, either from negligence, seeing a reef and being like, yeah, we're going straight to the reef and we're just gonna hit that no matter what and we're sinking, or you're gonna be aware. And I think what margin does is it gives you an awareness to go, yeah, you know what? Everything on our dashboard is saying we're heading towards danger. We need to take a time out. We need to turn the ship the other way. We need to redirect. Um, and that moment of that, like creating that margin gives us space to say, you know what? Yeah, life is really stressful right now. Maybe I just need to take a nap. <laughs> Maybe I need to take a moment and step away from this and just refresh. Uh, I mentioned last week, maybe you need to be around people that will inspire you. Maybe you need to be in a, a relationship with somebody who will say, hey, I'll be praying for you. Text me anytime you have something weighty, heavy. If your ship feels like it's got too much cargo on it right now, you can text me anytime and I will be there praying for you. Maybe you need that person in your life that can be there to say, hey, can I take some of your cargo off? Can I help you? Can I journey with you in this? And that's where we begin to see the life of Christ really start to come alive, where we start to experience this, this discipleship that he invites us into in a very beautiful way. So I threw some questions in there uh, in your notes this week to check out. There's way too many to cover, um, but it gives space for reflecting on where maybe there's gaps in your life where maybe you have too much cargo on your ship and you're about to run aground. Um, you can see there's a lot. <laughs> Don't try and read all these right now. Um, but I threw them in there. I just wanted to put them in there for a reference. But I'll just give you an example of one of the questions is, um, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I am? That will load you up with cargo. That will load you up to like, feel like you have to be something that you are not. The questions progressively get more and more intense. And it ends with one that says, is Christ real to me? Is he really here? Is he like, do I really sense his presence, that he is here, that he's for me, that he loves me, that he has my best interest in mind? Is Christ real to me? I would challenge you to check out those questions this week because... They might, you might just cringe a little bit, but you might also go, oh, that's actually really freeing to know that, nah, you know what? I don't need to be burdened by those things anymore. I don't need to be so tied up and caught up in these things that, where I'm worried about image or other people and these kind of things. Those are all ways that we begin to lighten the cargo load and begin to see what it means to be free and light. The closing prayer that I want to show you I think captures this heart of what Jesus invites us into when he talks about living freely and lightly. It says, Dear God, 
I so much want to be in control. This is by Henry Nouwen, who's just an amazing, amazing theologian and um, yeah, just has a great way of condensing down these thoughts. And he says, I want to be the master of my own destiny. Still, I know that you are saying, let me take you by the hand and lead you. Accept my love and trust that where I will bring you, the deepest desires of your heart will be fulfilled. Lord, open my hands to receive the gift of love. That's my prayer for us, that as we go into this week, that we'd both have this posture of surrender that says, you know what? I'm not in control. I don't need to try and be in control of all of this stuff, but I want to recognize that really like what Jesus is trying to do is to transform life. He's trying to allow us to live freely and lightly, but we get so tied up in these other things that just don't allow for that to happen. And so my prayer would be that we would have that posture and that we would take that on. And as we begin to dig into this more in the next week or two, um, we begin to see that this posture is so core um, that we have to have that part of the circle when it comes to our discipleship and our faith because then it begins to inform really how we begin we begin to have this free, light way of living as believers, right? And we've all encountered those people that are just like filled with joy and excitement about life. I want to be that, and I want us to experience that, and that's what Jesus desires for us. So let me close some prayer, and uh, we'll begin to step into that. Lord, thank you so much for space like this to slow down, take a moment, reflect on your word, and begin to think about the areas of our life where maybe we're tied up or we have a yoke of slavery, where we're tied up to things that do not bring freedom. Help us to see clearly what are the things that don't set us free, that tie us down, and what are the things that you invite us into that bring freedom, that bring joy, that bring liberty to life, that begin to set us free to just take a breath and enjoy each day, moment by moment, what it means to have this relationship with you, Jesus. So, uh, we look to you in all things, and I just uh, pray for each and every person as we leave this place that you would continue just to reveal yourself in beautiful ways as we um, journey through the rest of this day. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen.